Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Redlands campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. Welcome to church this morning. Lovely to have you here. I trust that that things are going well. It's a real privilege to be able to open the the Word with you this morning. Uh, We're in a teaching series. In fact, this is the last Sunday of us looking at the Lord's Prayer. And what we've been doing over these last bunch of weeks is looking at line by line what each of the Lord's Prayer lines may mean and how that might apply to us. So we're going to finish today by looking at the very last line of the Lord's Prayer and just trying to find that application is what is it? Why is it that Jesus taught us to pray in this way? What I'd love to do this morning though is just approach it in two ways. So I just want to do a little quick recap on the purpose of the Lord's Prayer because the last line that we're going to look at, which will be the second thing we do today, really needs the context of what, why God asked us to pray in this way. Because the Lord's Prayer is more than just a prayer of rote. It can be prayed that way. Is, is my, am I too loud? Can you hear me out there? It's good, is it? Can I just get some... Is there any fallback up here? I just can't hear myself. Sorry. Um, it's not just a prayer of rote, although you can pray it that way. If, if you pray the Lord's Prayer as we just prayed it then, you stand and or, or you sit or wherever. Churches across the world today will be doing the same thing. They'll pray the Lord's Prayer in that way. No trouble. That's great. That's part of how the Lord's Prayer can be used. But I also believe the Lord's Prayer, line by line, is actually a blueprint for us. It's actually a way that human purpose has been framed on earth. And Jesus is asking us to pray the kingdom of heaven to come onto the earth because the kingdom of heaven looks a certain way. And therefore, we as the people of the kingdom look a certain way. We're a peculiar people. Turn to the person sitting next to you and say, you are a peculiar person. Because the pastor said you are this morning. I came to church to be encouraged and I was told I was peculiar. That's good. See, Jesus had this unique prayer life. He had a unique prayer life. You've got to remember that in the time that he walked on the earth, the disciples knew what prayer looked like. Remember, they're part of a culture, they're part of a civic life that embraced prayer completely. This is the Jewish faith. The Jewish faith had every week in the Sabbath, there would be times of special meals and prayers that would be offered. That would happen week after week after week. There were feasts, there were seasons, there were times in which that's what took place within Jewish life. And the whole nation would pray and fast in different times or they'd pray and feast in other times. And so that was the the, the custom of the time. But Jesus had this uncommon way about the way he would come down from the mountain, having met with the Father that's in heaven. He spoke intimately about the Father, and then he would do miracles. He would heal the sick. He would cleanse lepers. He would raise the dead. He would forgive sins. He would speak like the oracle of heaven. And they would say to him, where does his power come from? And Jesus would speak about his prayer life. Then Jesus would send them out two by two to go and pray for people. And they'd pray for people. They'd see miracles happen too. They came back though. After one trip, they came back. There was a boy that was being thrown into the fire. They tried to pray for him, but he didn't get healed. 
And so they say to Jesus, well, what happened? Why didn't that happen when we prayed? And he said, well, that one, that demon will only come out due to prayer and fasting. So there's another level to this that they hadn't quite understood. And so no wonder the disciples turned to Jesus and said, teach us how to pray. We think we understand prayer, but no, 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 Master, you teach us how to pray. There's something about your prayer life that we want. Interestingly, when Jesus said, I'm going to teach you to pray, if you go to Matthew chapter 6 and verse 8, he starts the whole prayer journey by saying this, therefore, do not be like them. He's pointing to the hypocrites. If you look at the previous context, he's speaking about people who seek glory from men rather than people that seek glory from God. They do things according to the form of the custom, but their heart is far from God. So don't be like them. For your Father knows the things you have need of before you pray. Okay, so Jesus has just eliminated one big category of why I think, why we've probably all thought over hundreds and hundreds of years of why we pray. Don't we just ask God for stuff that we need? Well, Jesus is saying, no, don't pray that. Your Father already knows what you need before you ask Him. All right, well, that's that group of questions gone. Now, what are we going to pray about? And so Jesus says, pray like this. And so that's why line by line we've been going through the Lord's Prayer, because there's actually an orientation on the inside of you that God's trying to shift, because it's not about you assuming your Father doesn't know your life. Your Father knows your life. And if you're close to your Father, you'll know that He knows, that you know, that He knows your life. You, you know? <laughs> he, he knows that. So I don't need to tell my Father who I'm intimate with the things that I need because He's already affirmed that He hears me and sees me. So my laundry list of needs goes into the cupboard now because God and I already know that. Now I'm praying about something else, yeah? I'm not just praying for my needs. I'm actually praying for His needs on earth. It's not what I need anymore. It's actually about His agenda. It's His will. So every line of the Lord's Prayer is actually a line of the agenda of God on the earth. So the first agenda is our Father. Because Jesus wasn't saying, no, pray about my Father. I think a few weeks ago I, I, I preached into this. It's not my Father in heaven, it's our Father. So Jesus is standing as the divine Son of heaven, Son of man, Son of God, identifying with us as human beings and says, it's not just exclusively my Father, folks. It's our Father. And the same relationship that I've got with the Father, I offer to you. In fact, the Father is offering to you the same relationship that I have with Him because if you look at John 17, we don't have time to go through it, read the chapter of John 17. This is Jesus' prayer for us. And He's speaking about that they would be one in us as I am in you, Father. See, the dream of God for your relationship with Him is way beyond what we imagine. Whatever we experience, whatever sometimes these mythologies we create in our head that God is far away and He is hard or He is difficult or it's all about discipline or it's all about this, it's all about that. We create a whole framework for Christianity that is just not true. God is absolutely in love with you and wants to fellowship with you. God is the best mate you will ever have. Can I tell you, He is the best mate 
If you ever want to just talk to someone, talk it over with Jesus. He's the greatest friend. He will never leave you. He is so wonderful. He is your mate. He cares about how well you do at work. He cares about your relationships at home. He cares about what's going on with your car. He cares about that little knock that you've got in your engine. You can't work out what's wrong with it. He'll actually give you an idea as to how to fix it. You say, oh, God's too busy for that. Is he? Is that right? Too busy for you. He even said the hairs of your head are numbered. Why are you worried about your life? I know even how many numbers of hairs on your head. Don't you think if he knows the numbers of hairs on your head, and some of you fellas, it's a quick count. I'm just looking out there, just for what it's worth. Won't take... <laughs> I always have a go at the ball, guys. Um, my day is coming. But if he knows that, don't you think he cares about your little knock in your engine? See, we, we put God in the wrong box. He is your greatest friend. He has done more to move heaven and earth to come close to you than any other being in the universe will ever do or ever will ever possibly could. He is your God. He is your Father. So that's why Jesus says, He's our Father who's in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is what this whole thing is about. The whole dream of God before the beginning of time was that heaven would be established on earth. The ways of heaven would operate on this sphere called earth. That's God's entire agenda. And before the foundation of the world, the Bible says, Jesus was coming to the cross in order to establish this truth. Jesus was always going to be the incarnate Son of God on the earth. Jesus was always going to join humanity, not just sit outside of his creation, but enter into his creation. He was going to demonstrate physically his love so that we would get it. We would actually finally get it that God is on our side. He's actually for us. So his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven is the goal. How does it happen? Well, firstly, we need people that are asking God for daily bread. Because if you're seeking your strength and your source of, of sustenance from God from anywhere else other than the Father's mouth, then you're missing out on the true way of bringing heaven to earth because God will actually walk with you. It's the Word of God inside us that brings the kingdom of God to bear. It's the Word of God inside us that overcomes the enemy. It's the Word of God inside us that defeats the forces of evil. It's the Word of God inside us that gives us the keys to how to unlock things in this world that we have no idea about. God can show us. Every word that comes from the Father's heart. Give us this day your daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those that trespass against us. Well, What's that about? That's about a kingdom of reconciliation. That's a kingdom where you are reconciled with the person next to you and you're reconciled with God. You can offer grace because you've been offered grace. You can offer forgiveness. In other words, there's no offence in the kingdom. There's no room for judicial dispute in the kingdom. God says the kingdom's law is love. Love people. What is love? Well, love gives itself away. Love is sacrificial. Love doesn't have anything of its own. Love actually prefers the other over itself. Love lays down its life for the other. That's what perfect love looks like. And I can't fear in that because if I don't own anything, I don't have anything, then I don't care what you take off me. 
so I'm not afraid because I don't own anything anyway. Dead men actually can't be afraid. And so this is the dream of the kingdom. You say that feels a long way off. Yes, it's because we don't pray the Lord's Prayer enough. We're going to pray the Lord's Prayer. We're going to get the Spirit of God inside us so He starts to change our value system. And we start to see this is a different kingdom now. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil is the next line. The people of the kingdom overcome the power of sin and defeat evil. Why? Because inside them, there's nothing that the devil can offer them that will allure them. There's nothing inside them. They don't want the ways of the world. They actually don't want the things that the kingdom of darkness would offer. They don't want the the power, the wealth that comes from this kingdom. Because there is a wealth and a power in another kingdom that is unseen that this group of people, because they fellowship with the Father, they've seen it with their spiritual eyes and they desperately want it. They've actually got a palate for a whole different way of doing life and that's all they care about. These people, that's why they're peculiar because no one seems to be able to get a hold of them. No one can tempt them. No one can tell them to do this or manipulate them. Why? Because they love God and they just serve other people. They're this incredible people that welcome everyone. What do you mean you don't have any rights? Well, I don't have any rights. My only right is that I love my God and He defends my rights. That sounds a bit naive. Well, maybe. But I'd rather walk in the kingdom than have my own rights. Why? Because the pleasures of the kingdom are far greater than the pleasures of this world. Now, if your heart struggles with that, it's because we don't engage the Lord's Prayer enough. The Lord's Prayer is the blueprint for human purpose. And true satisfaction and true relief and true peace and true joy comes out of this whole inner world that God wants to place inside us. For the kingdom of heaven isn't eating and drinking, Paul said, but it's righteousness, peace and joy. It's righteousness, peace and joy. The evidence of the kingdom inside you is this overflowing joy and this peace that you offer to everyone. It's not a heavy thing. It's not a time of condemnation. It's not a time of shame. It's a time of release. It's a time of freedom. It's a time to run to the promise that God has given us. The Lord's Prayer is the evidence of what the kingdom looks like on earth. I remember, I think I put this up here a few weeks ago. Can I just read it to you again? If I was going to rewrite the Lord's Prayer, not me, sorry, but if I was to, just forgive me, it's some grace if I, if I may. But if I was going to reinterpret the Lord's Prayer into how I think the Lord's Prayer is actually to be written on our hearts, it would sound a little bit like this. Can I throw it up on the screen, Kim? The Father who is in the heavens is setting up His kingdom on earth by ensuring that His will is done on the earth. That's the mission of God, full stop. No greater mission than that. God will not be thwarted in that mission. Can I just say this to you too? The devil's not going to stop God from doing that. The devil is a created angel that, that God, that fell from heaven, that God is not wrestling with or fighting with. He has defeated him. And he uses him like a pawn until the end of the age, until when he's finished with him, he will then put him to one side. He is not in any way intimidated by the enemy. 
This is not Hollywood. God is not fighting the devil and the devil's fighting God and there's this sort of balance of power that's happening and if only the saints would pray more, God will win. No, God is one. It's done. God is done with that. And the victory is yours because it's his. So that's the kingdom that God's setting up. The people in his kingdom will bring this kingdom into being. How? They will know they are sons and daughters. They will have a daily source of bread, a source of inspiration and power from the Father that will bring this kingdom to life. They will live in a community of grace that is the power to be forgiven and be free from personal guilt and shame and the power to generously give to others this same forgiveness. The people in this kingdom will be free from a heart that is tempted by sin and the oppression created by evil. See, God wants your prayer life to reach into His divine realm and pull the kingdom into this earth. That's what He wants your prayer life to do. And He said, if you'll seek first the kingdom, well, how will I seek first the kingdom? Your prayer life will reach into the realm of the Spirit and pull the kingdom in. If I do that, then He said, all these things will be added to you. So don't worry about what you need. Don't worry about the stuff that you're looking for, you're seeking. Just do this. Just cooperate with me. Pull into the world, the earth, the kingdom of God. If you will go about your father's business, I'll go about your business. I'll look after you. Don't worry about what you need. Even the sparrows that fall from the tree, God counts every one of them. Oh, he'll look after you. That's why Jesus was constantly saying, shift your priorities. Pray the kingdom prayer. Walk the kingdom walk. It's not my responsibility just to go to heaven. It's my responsibility to bring heaven to earth. It's not my responsibility just to go to heaven. It's not signed, sealed and delivered and packaged. If that was the case, when you gave your heart to Jesus and got baptised, we would hold you down for six minutes and then you'd be off. We would say, hallelujah, one more for the kingdom. That's not the goal of baptism and coming into the kingdom of God. It is so that you will get up from the water, a new man, a new woman, and then begin to bring the kingdom to this earth around us. You know, sometimes the things of God are caught more than they're taught. My prayer for today, and that was a long introduction, I know, because we're about to start to preach now. Sorry. My prayer is that from this little bit on that you catch this next bit. It's been my prayer all week. Just catch this. Sometimes I don't, the words are inadequate. My hope is the Spirit of God will get this into your heart. There's the final statement in the prayer. It says, yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Can I say in context with what we've just read, these words are the ultimate expression of truth on the earth. Yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory. They are the ultimate expression of worship for all created beings in the universe. If you're able to say those words and believe them in your heart, then you have crossed into a new kingdom. Can I say this to you? The devil can't say that prayer. He doesn't believe that the kingdom belongs to God. He believes the kingdom belongs to him. That's why he fell. And he's trying to take everybody else with him who believes that the kingdom of God is, is really not for you. The kingdom of self, the kingdom of your way of doing things is a far better way to live because you're free to choose. You can choose what you like. And if you have that freedom, why would you give it to a God who's going to imprison you? 
That's the devil's mate. He's been saying that for thousands of years to people. And people have gone, that's true, Mr. Devil. I need to just, I need to make my own decisions because I'm, I'm a big shot where I am. I, I, like God is like nothing. I'm a big, big man. And we live for 75, 80, 85, 90, 95 years. I don't know how old you are in the room, so I'm going to give you another 10 on whatever you've already got. We live for that time and we say, I'm a big shot, but I'm just going to die like everybody else. I'm such a big shot that I know how to beat death. No, I don't. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. And yours is the glory. They are the biggest themes in the Bible. Kingdom, power, and glory. God was about setting up his kingdom from the moment he said, let there be light. I'm going to put my kingdom on this earth. Nothing will thwart me. In fact, I'm so committed to it that my son's going to come about, mm, about halfway through because we're going to make sure we bring that whole kingdom into our life. Nothing will stop it. Nothing will separate you from the love of God. Why? Because God has ensured it with his own physical presence. Can't happen. Can't be broken. The only way it could possibly happen is Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit have to have a big fight and fall out. Let's hope that doesn't happen. If they have a fight, we're in trouble. But as long as they stay together, we're good to go. Kingdom, power, and glory. It is a promise and a plan. Can you hear that? It's a promise and a plan. When we're talking of the kingdom of God, it is a promise, but it's also a plan. It's going to happen. It is a kingdom. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is coming, but it is at hand. In other words, it's here, but it's coming. So there's a physical manifestation of this kingdom that at the end of the age will take place. But in the meantime, the kingdom of God is on earth because the Holy Spirit has been sent. So in other words, all of the right people all of the right persons, all of the right powers are in place. The kingdom of God is here. The Father's there. The Son is there. The Spirit is roaming the earth and you are here. All the right people. We are with the kingdom of God is at hand. Therefore, there is only ever one never-ending, all-powerful kingdom. The world has seen many kings and many kings have made many big statements that their kingdom's going to last forever, that their kingdom's going to be a magnificent kingdom. In fact, at the time when Jesus walked on the earth, Caesar was the great king. He was the son of God, actually according to their theology. Don't you dare say that there's another son of God other than Caesar. But the Christians were running around saying, there is another son of God. It's not Caesar, it's Jesus. And they were losing their heads and they were being crucified on, on roads everywhere because they kept saying it. They believed it. Why? Because the kingdom of heaven was on earth and they were just speaking the truth. And so Caesar came and he went. Then another Caesar came and he went. Another Caesar came and he went. You get the pattern. The kingdom rose, the kingdom fall, another kingdom came. There's been kingdoms up the yin-yang. There's only one kingdom that's ever, ever, ever started and now is going to come. It is the kingdom of all power and glory. There's no other power in heaven or earth or under the earth than God's power. There's no other greater power. There's a lot of pretend powers. The devil walks around like a roaring lion. He is deceiving you or he's deceiving me, but he has no power. His power is in the deception. His power is to make you believe that what he's saying is true. And once you believe it's true, you make it true. 
But once we get the truth uncovered, the, the lie uncovered, and we see the real truth, we go, hang on a minute. That's not how it is. Oh, and Jesus said, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. I see the truth. Now I'm free. That was a lie I was believing before. And one by one, we uncover all these little lies that have been placed in our lives from our upbringing or from our culture or from the world around us or the media. We all these little lies. And one by one, we begin to realize that actually God's in control. What an amazing thought. God is in control. God is really who He says He is. He is all-powerful. There is a kingdom that's coming to this world. Therefore, He is the one that deserves the glory. The glory. If you are the designer, the creator, the deliverer, the redeemer, and the king of all existence, don't you think you deserve some glory? I think so. I think so. I heard the other day, I, I, I watched the Meghan Markle special on television the other day. And I didn't know that, but even behind the scenes, when they go to a, you know, a luncheon with the Queen, you still have to observe the, the, the bowing thing. In other words, she's always the Queen. So she could be there in her pith hat and like, like long whatever she wears when she's around the farm, and you still, you're still bowing because she's the Queen. Why? Because out of respect for the position that she holds... Even the inner family still says you are the queen. It's a, it's a, it's a genuine human uh, respect or glory, if you like. You can interchange those words, the glory for the queen. She is acknowledged all the time. Don't you think, if that is true in our human kingdoms, that the king of all kings has a glory? Don't you think? Jesus prayed it about his disciples. If you look at John 17, he says, God, I pray that they would see me as, they, as I was before the beginning of time in the glory that you gave me. In other words, when they actually see me in the real glory that I've had, they'll understand that everything I've told them was true. At the moment, they're seeing me in the flesh. They're seeing me walk here in dusty sandals and a robe. And, and they see me eat fish by the side of the Galilee. And they think what they think. But one day they'll see me in the glory I always had and then they will know. And then every knee will bow and then every tongue will confess. Why? Because he is Lord. He is Lord. He is Lord. He is Lord. There never was a Lord that was greater. There was never a king that was ever going to be greater than the King of Kings. The thing is, though, for you to see all that and for you to love all that and for you to fall in love with that God your eyes have to be opened. The world is walking around today asleep, or the Bible actually calls it dead, actually. But to be kind, they're asleep. And it's time for the church to wake them up. We've actually got to show them that it's time to open their inner eyes and say, hey, look up. Look out at what's going on. God is God, and He has the answer for your life. And we have to be a people that direct them that way. We have to be the people so that when they look at us, they go, what is, so, what is peculiar about them? But why am I so drawn to these people? What is it about the church? There's something about the church I've missed I need to understand. People have got to wake up. They've got to come alive again on the inside to the truth. You remember the sort of effect that this had on Jesus? You see a moment where Peter 
and Jesus were having a conversation. In fact, Jesus was talking to all the disciples and, and he says, who do people say that I am? I thought it was a really interesting conversation because it wasn't like Jesus didn't read his own press. He understood what people said. He heard it. Not only if he didn't hear it with his ears, he perceived it according to the Spirit. So he already knew the answer. What was he asking for? Because he wanted to know what they thought. And he said, oh, some say Elijah, some say one of the prophets. And Jesus says, yeah, okay, but who do you say I am? And Peter says this, you are the Christ, which means Messiah. You are the son of the living God. And you see a response from Jesus that you rarely see in the Gospels. It's almost like Jesus goes, that's it. Because you see him, like when I read that, I feel like Jesus stands right up. Like you just hear him. Because he says, flesh and blood hasn't revealed that to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail. It's not necessarily on the confession that he'll build his church, although clearly that's what we confess. It's on the process. Because here is a man who's heard from the Father something that didn't come from the mouth of Jesus. Hear that again. Here is a man that's heard from the Father something that the Spirit revealed to him that didn't come from the mouth of Jesus. That's the pattern of getting daily bread from the Father. That's what it looks like. You get an insight, you get a revelation that comes from the Father. Why? Because the Father's setting up His kingdom. The Son of God wants many other sons of God who do the same thing, who hear the Father's voice and bring the kingdom to life. And Peter did it. Peter did it. He went, that's it. You're a fisherman. You're uneducated. You've got nothing at all, really, in terms of what the world would say is status. But you've just stepped into the holy courts of heaven. You've just done what no one else is doing. You're hearing the voice of the Spirit. Oh, that's what God wants for His kingdom, that we would be that sort of people. It's the pattern of sons and daughters, revelation of the Father through the Spirit. These are the people the Father is seeking. Go with me to John 4 and verse 23, just for a minute. John 4 and verse 23. Come on the screen if you need it. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth for the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. How do I worship in spirit and truth? The Father is seeking these people. So look, if there's any, anything that you want to get sort of interrupt, you want to stand right in the pathway of the Father seeking you. If He's already looking for you, God, I want to be found. I'm not hiding. Here I am. Here I am. What do I need to do to be found by you? I need to worship in spirit and truth. The depth of your worship is directly connected to the depth of your revelation of the Father. The depth of your worship is directly connected to your revelation of the Father. In other words, you'll only pull from inside you a love that will reach out to the Father if you see Him as Father. If your heart has been healed from the orphanage that wants to grow inside. But your heart has been healed from the slave mentality that says, I am broken, I am bruised, I am nothing. If you're going to come to God that way, then you're not, you haven't found the Father yet because the Father's not saying you're nothing. He's saying, put your robe and your ring on and get into the feast. 
new. Put your robe and your ring on and get into the feast and new. Put your robe and your ring on and get into the feast and get into the feast and get into the feast. That's what he's saying. Well, I don't hear that from the Father. No, but see, that's the pattern though. He wants you to hear him. He's a good Father. The revelation comes to us by the Spirit. When my kids were little, they would write me cards for my birthday. And, uh, you know, they'd write in that big, scrawly handwriting, you know, it would be like six words per A4 page, you know, as they'd write to you. And they'd say, happy birthday, Daddy. That's when they called me Daddy. That's gone now. But happy birthday, Daddy. You are the bestest Daddy in the whole wide world. Love one of them. Almost the same. It's almost like they copied the same script. And I get this thing, and it'd be written in all kinds of colour, and there'd be a stick figure at the bottom with me with my spiky hair and, uh, and beard if I had one or whatever. And that would be their card to me. Now, I loved getting that card. But can I tell you, now from my 21-year-old, when she says to me, Dad, I love you, it means a whole lot more. Not because I love her any less, but because I know she knows me better than she knew me then. And I've, you know, I've tried to be a good dad, but I'm, I'm not a perfect dad by any means. And she knows that. She's 21. She's lived through a lot of the times where I've been a hopeless dad. And she still says to me, Dad, I love you. And I say, Dad, I say this sometimes if I'm being cheeky, why do you love me? She goes, well, I love this about you. And, you know, can I tell you, the words that she speaks to me shows me the depth of the love she has for the Father. Now, the maturity that comes out of that is the same thing that's happening with God. You can come to God as you first get to know Him. You say, oh, He's my daddy. I just love the fact that He loves me. But the deeper you go with God, the more you know about the Father's heart, the deeper your worship will be. Because you just know Him. And that's why the Father is seeking it. Not because He wants your worship. It's not about Him receiving from you. It's about you receiving from Him. You've got to open the superhighway up. You've got to be able to hear that the Father is speaking to you. He wants to pour manna from heaven into your heart. He's got to get past the clutter before He can actually allow that to happen. The revelation comes to us by the Spirit. The purpose of the Spirit's revelation is to bring us into encounter with God. The purpose of the Spirit's revelation is to bring us into encounter with God. The Bible is full of many truths. This Bible says this, that the Lord inhabits the praises of His people. Okay, that's a truth. That's a truth. Where people praise, God will inhabit it. Here's the thing. The truth isn't just so that you mentally go, oh, isn't that lovely? The point of the truth is that so that you encounter God in the praise. Huh? You actually encounter God. In other words, if you praise and you don't encounter God, then something hasn't happened in here because God is present. You see? So the point of the truth is so that you become free and so that you become encountered with God in a way that you never have before. God says, I haven't given you a spirit of fear, but power and love and a sound mind. That's true. But until you enter into the encounter with God, you don't experience the freedom. So the truth is to point you to the freedom. The truth is to point you to the experience with God. The experience is the proof that you're free. Does that make sense? 
And so we want to be a people that is guided by truth so that we come to that place where we can see Him for who He is. And when we pray, yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory, what we're doing is we're joining with heaven who is already praying that. Let me take you to a picture just as we close this morning. Revelation chapter 5. I'm going to read a reasonable length of Scripture. Just go with me for a minute. What I love us to do is I love to take a sneaky peek into heaven. And probably one of the few times we get to look into heaven is in some of the Scriptures that are contained in Revelation. What's going on in heaven? What is this place all about? Revelation chapter 5 says this, And I saw in the right hand of Him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back sealed with seven seals. The Him we're talking about is the Father. The Father is holding a scroll. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? And no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. Now you don't think for a minute that the devil would have tried. Remember, he's all about glory and power. The Father saying, Who is worthy? But he couldn't come and open the scroll because he was not worthy. No angel was worthy. No human being was worthy. The Father is asking all created beings, someone come and open this scroll, please, who's worthy. So I wept much. This is John who wrote this. Because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah. He has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. And I looked and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures in the midst of... Well, where is my eyes have gone? All teary. In the midst of the elders stood a lamb, as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into the earth. Then he came, and he took the scroll out of the hand of him who sat on the throne. Now when he, Jesus, had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints." What are the prayers praying? The prayers are praying the Lord's Prayer. They're praying, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And they sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll, to open its seals. For you were slain, you have been redeemed, you have redeemed us to God by your blood. Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And have made us kings and priests to our God. And we shall reign on the earth. And we shall reign on the earth. And we shall reign on the earth. Folks, this is not an expression of ego. It's an expression of the purpose of God. See, God, we've got to change our thinking. If that's what God wants for us, then we should jolly well do it. We should jolly well set our hearts to start to do it. We should say, well, God, that, that's what the Father needs from us. Then that's the goal that I'll aim for. And then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne. The living creatures and the elders and the number of them were 10,000 times 10,000. And thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power 
and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Can you hear the theme of the Lord's Prayer? Can you hear it? It's the same prayer. It's the same declaration. When Jesus said, pray this, and he said, yours is the kingdom, Father. Yours is the power, Father. And yours is the glory. It's a picture of the revelation of the throne of God. It's what we'll all say. That's why this is a powerful, powerful word. If you can declare these words, you are speaking words that must have come from the Spirit. You are speaking words on earth that heaven is speaking right now. You are declaring victory over the forces of darkness. You are seeing things that only sons and daughters can see. You are worshipping in spirit and in truth. That's what you're doing. And that's a powerful thing because none of that was possible until Jesus set up his kingdom on the earth. God calls us to this life of spirit and truth so that his kingdom is released on this earth. Can we just pray? Let's bow our heads together today. Let's give to him the reverence and the honour because as we actually speak these words, we stand on holy ground because what we're saying is not cheaply won but very expensive. God has given everything he has so that you and I could actually pray this prayer today. Yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. And he wants our hearts to find freedom and release in praying that prayer. And so Jesus, today we, we remember that we stand on holy ground. We remember today that you are the risen Saviour. In a week or so's time, we will come back around the cross and we will remember the power that was released on this earth, the example of love that was displayed to us, that started to give us a glimpse into this kingdom, what it's really all about. God, I pray that you would allow our spirit to get a glimpse this morning of the honour it is to say these words. God, there is a holy throne as we sit here where those words are being said constantly, where those truths are being declared constantly. And God, as we begin to pray them here, we are echoing that same worship. It's not a little thing. It's not a light thing. It's a weighty thing. It's an expensive thing and it costs.